We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It feels like Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Carlo Navas. And with me today, we have producer and co-founder, Mr. Brian Coyne. Hello, guys. How's it going? It is good. It is Monday. It is another week in the NBA calendar. We also welcome in our Saucy Nuggets insider, Lefty Leif. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Mr. Leif and Brian. And also our hot take, Harry. How are you, sir? Doing well. Ready to go. Ready to go. And our guest for this evening, Rohan Incardi of Sports Illustrated, one of our favorites uh, and a regular around here, friend of the show. Rohan, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I feel like immediately I need to follow up like from my last appearance. Why? Which was I called out Leif pretty hard about something that we couldn't really discuss in exact terms. All I have to say is he came through. He came through in an incredible way. Just know that he deserves a lot of credit for being a stand-up guy. One of my all-time favorite people immediately for uh, for what he did. So I just want to shout him out real quick. This is how Leif gets his sources. Thank you for the kind words, but that's that's just a uh, testament to heat beat culture, baby. (laughs) Did Leif come through more than LeBron in Game 3? What a transition. No, but seriously, um, I do want to mention that we are part of the 5 Reasons Podcast Network. You can check out our network affiliates, everything from Balls Cast at three yards per carry to the flagship Five Reasons show with Ethan Skolnick and Chris Whittingham, who had they had Tony Fiorentino on uh, yesterday, so you could check that out right now on the iTunes feed. We're all there, and the new uh, Pitch Invasion, a Chris Whittingham soccer show. So check that out; it's going to be a lot of fun. And I know the guest list, and it's going to be very, very good. So we're going to play some promos for that later. Chris's first show for Pitch Invasions this week, actually. This week, so there are, we go. 
Are you guys playing nice with Smoot now? Is yeah, that what this we're boys with uh with Adam Smoot. Well, not really. I think he still hates us, but uh, Adam Smoot is the kind of producer part being of a Ballscast. Professional. Being a professional. Being okay. a professional. I mean, I, let me tell you something. I, and this is like super inside Twitter. So for those of you not on the Twitter sphere, Adam Smoot is a longtime member of Heat Twitter. I guess you can call some of us second generation Heat Twitter, and I have this third, fourth, fifth, whatever, so on and so forth. But like you know. A lot of us came in like right after LeBron came and like when the Twitter boom happened and Adam is part of like, you know, the OG he Twitter crew and he doesn't really like us. And we uh, we really, really mess with him and torment his life. And now uh, we all joke because Ethan brought us together with uh, with the five reasons network. So now Adam has to Adam still doesn't follow me, though, or any of us. Okay, no, we're all muted still. We're all muted. And actually, the show account did not follow Heatbeat until today. And he only followed us to ruin because we had a uh, three thousand three oh five followers. So I was like, "We're three oh five till we die." And Adam, who runs that account, the Ballscast account, followed us to make it three oh six. I respect that. To turn- I, no, respect- I do too. Our eternal rival. So um, check out our affiliates. And uh, I do. I do want to talk. I, I do. We'll talk about the those those games over the weekend, the Cavs game and the Rockets Warriors game. But Kawhi's offered the supermax. And I think Harrison, you were saying no one has refused the supermax yet. Uh, Harrison's putting on his headphones. He's so great at this. Harrison, I, I was saying how in the group chat you um you said that nobody has refused the supermax yet, and Kawhi's been offered it. So like we yeah. talk about Kawhi like leaving, but like he'll be if he leaves, like he would leave the supermax on the table. Um, and that historically that be the first time that happened. In the short time that the Supermax has been available. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to deal with the dog. There's a damn dog in the back. Come on, man. We're part of a network. That's what I'm I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to figure Illustrated guests on. And you're like, you leave. You disappear. You don't have your headphones on. You come back. I I figured you inspired me to put my headphones on. So, So, truthfully, though, about Kawhi. Leif, save Um, us. Leif, save us. (laughs) I'll try. So, like, the fact that they're all of a sudden offering this to him right now, sight unseen, he hasn't played a game uh, in quite a while. There's been tension. For them to, for it to be reported that they're prepared to make that offer to him, that really feels like, uh, to me, that this is, like, basically on the rocks and this is, like, their Hail Mary attempt at making it right. Because why else, why else would the timing be conducive to do that now versus waiting until you... Uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like it kind of came out of left field, and that's probably because uh, they got indication that he wants to be moved or he was unhappy, and they really felt strongly enough to where they need to now turn around and make it right. And what better way of doing so than paying him as much as you can? So uh, I just thought the timing of it was kind of interesting. Well, I agree. I, I think basically what it comes down to is they have to force his hand, right? Because you make this offer now when he has one year left on his deal to see – if he's going to accept or not. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, what it comes down to. If he accepts, okay, you know he's bought in. I think they're willing to be, you know, look past this last year and say, hey, we have him for five years. We can build around him. If he doesn't take it, that's how you know, right? If he's not willing to sign it right now, if he says, no, I want to wait a year, that's when you kind of get the idea, okay, we're going to trade him. Now, there's something to be said about, do they lose a little leverage in that situation? Yes, but I I think the biggest thing about offering this contract to him is it forces his hand. Now, there's a chance he signs it and then down the road demands a trade. But, I mean, we've seen how the Spurs handled that, you know, with LaMarcus Aldridge, who would have been much easier to move than 
you know, they could easily let him go if they wanted to. Let me put it that way. So I think what it comes down to is just kind of forcing Kawhi's hand. And that way they get some clarity on what they want to do moving forward. I know we've talked about like how that Supermax kind of really cripples teams going forward and trying to build around guys. I kind of think Kawhi's at the Kawhi may be the last guy on the list that I'd give That's it to. That's worth it. Yeah. That I'm like, after Kawhi, whoever whoever down the list of who you think the best players are, I think right after Kawhi is where I don't do it. And Kawhi is so, Kawhi is so good that we're saying that and he has been injured for an entire year. So that shows you like that he can actually be on the high end of that spectrum. That's just go go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, no, you're fine. I just want to say how much I hate the Supermax for both parties. Right? It makes sense on some level, you know, okay, you can offer these guys all the 20, but here's my issue with it. It's twofold. One, it forces teams like the Wizards, let's say they give John Wall a Supermax. I love John Wall, but that contract in a couple of years, the Russell Westbrook contract, I mean, I joke about it with some colleagues. We're a little too harsh on Russell Westbrook in our group chat, but, you know, that's a could be a terrible, crippling deal for the Thunder two years from now if George leaves, you know, Mello, whatever. But if they have Russ and no one else, I mean, and then you look at it from the player side. Of, let's say you're DeMarcus Cousins, right? And the Kings don't trade you and they offer you a Supermax. Now you have to decide between, you know, an extra $70 million versus you know, playing for a dysfunctional organization that may never give you a chance of winning. So I really hate the Supermax from both sides. I think players who meet those qualifications should be allowed to make that money in free agency. I understand you want to give small market teams, you know, this ability to keep their guys. The problem is it it gives teams like the Kings or the Suns with Devin Booker one day a free pass to suck for as long as they want. They can sign guys like, you know, I just really don't like it for either side. Ron, I need you to admit this one thing for me because the NBA system is currently broken. You can't tell me that the NBA has parity if the Heat can't be one of the teams that can feel the superstar <laughs> game. It's broken. I do okay. think. I, I don't know if that was a question as much as it yeah, was. Yeah, Brian, what the hell was that? That, contrib- yeah. that contribution sucked. That joke wasn't even no, funny. I, 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 like I do I think. Hold up, wait. To kind of salvage Brian's really shitty point, I do think it's funny how like the, the CBA, how it is now, was in large part created to kind of short circuit Miami. And it's, it's really done that. I mean, that and blood clots have really like tied the heat and Miami's kind of in a weird situation that the heat are never the team that has to overspend for free agent X or for superstar X. That's a kind of like Miami's a destination city that you can kind of get a guy with all the tax breaks or whatever, with the promise of organizational stability and you know, the, the nice city that you can get a guy for not a supermax. But like now they're in a position because they're in like cap hell. They have to kind of like if they're willing to sign and trade for a supermax guy or something, they have to like and take a chance on a guy like DeMarcus Cousins who's coming off an injury. I, I, well, you can't sign say, trade for a supermax guy. That, but you know what I mean? I like they, they have to sign and trade for like enormous contracts and overpaying of players. I, I will say real quick, I think what's ironic is I think the last two CBAs were both a little bit of an overreaction to what was happening in the league. I think two CBAs ago, when they had the amnesty clause and all that, that was made, that CBA with like the repeater luxury tax was made with Miami in mind, right? And then I yeah. believe they had one more negotiation after mm-hmm. that when they renewed. And they put in the Supermax, which I think was a reaction to this Durant scenario, right? Where they were like, yeah. how do we let a team like OKC? Okay, and what's funny is, I think the same thing kind of happened last time, but it's more drastic this time. The team, it was supposed to, curtail right like they made the supermax i think in in sense that we want to keep guys in their cities we don't want a team like golden state but what what's happened is it's prevented 
other super teams and it's <laughs> let Golden State just run roughshod over the league. And it's just these there's always these unintended consequences, you know, these finger snaps by the NBA, if you will, if I can make an Avengers reference where they think it's going to fix everything. And then there's always these unintended consequences. I think right now I'm almost I just don't like I don't love the health of the league in terms of a competitive standpoint. Another un- unintended, like unintended consequence is the way Riley has to come at this because you know that there are a number of high talented players, like really elite level players. John Wall being one, uh, you know, Westbrook is a more obvious example. But even if you go to the next tier down, like the Boogie Cousins that may get maxed out, and that's like a question mark around the league, or you know, if it's like Damian Lillard who makes a certain amount of money, or Demar Derozan. Uh, These are guys that can definitely improve the heat like immediately, but are they good enough to justify the percentage of the cap that they take up? And I've seen and heard um, a lot about, like you see Riley in press conferences kind of shake his head at the Supermax and the $20 million salaries and things of that nature. And now he's going to be faced with basically the only way to get that top level talent via trade is to take on one of those guys so uh like john wall like do you really make that deal when he's going to make 45 million dollars uh his talent says you do if you think that you need to be top heavy that way but can you really afford to do that in this you know so it's just one of those things where i think it probably tugs at riley more than does a lot of other gms and execs i think i mean i definitely agree with rohan the supermax is not great for the league the key to like getting around it is when you trade the guy because I don't think you can keep a player all through his contract. Look at look at kind of what the Clippers did, even though Blake Griffin wasn't a super max. Like signing him to a max deal and then getting him out of there in the first year before that contract could really come back to hurt you is kind of what these teams are going to have to do if Paul George and Carmelo leave the Thunder and Russell Westbrook's the only guy left. They have to start thinking about moving him for whatever they can. If John Wall's the guy in the Wizards that they don't want, you know, that everyone's having an argument with, why are you trading the guys around him to make him happy when the truth is, yeah, Wall's great, he's a superstar, but you could build a decent team around Bradley Beal, who's making a more reasonable salary. And so when you move these guys is important. And if you trade for a, if you trade for a Supermax and by the end of the year or by the end of the contract, you know, maybe maybe you could move them again, even though it's a massive contract. Maybe it'd only be for two years, and then you got a giant expiring in the last year of the deal. Like the the value of the deal at the time when a move is made is key to to getting around it. I kind of think that the NBA is becoming a bit like the NFL in the sense in like team construction and the sense of NFL is really big on getting value guys, right? So like, let's look at the Patriots. They never really overspend on people as compared to the Dolphins. They have their cap tight end and Dominic and Sue and Tannehill and um you know so like I think the NBA is kind of moving to a place where like you don't want to sign even if they're transcendent talents you might not want to tie up some 45 million dollars in one guy when you can't fill out the rest of the roster but on the other hand you've got a team out west and the Warriors and even the Rockets if we're being honest like almost posted a historic offense that have like two top what 30 players ever on the team and it's like and a bunch of like elite shooters. So it's kind of like because the teams that are already established are like running roughshod over the league and everybody else is trying to desperately search for value. It's, it makes it incredibly hard. It makes the warriors existence so much easier. Cause there's no way 
for anybody to really build a valid contender. My so two things. I mean, one, I think my ultimate issue with the supermax is I think the consequences are it's restricting player movement, whether that's through free agency or trades. Players feel like if I can get a supermax offer, I should stay. That stops them from moving. But I don't, and I don't like that aspect of it. And then to Harrison's point, you gotta have to trade them early, or like that value, it may never work out. I, to Johnny's point about the NFL, what I think is maybe more even similar to the NFL is a team like Philadelphia. Literally, the Sixers and Eagles are in the same spot where their best player, you know, the Eagles, it was their quarterback, you know, for the Sixers, their best players are on rookie deals, right? So it's like, how do you strike while that iron is hot? I think that's going to be a really interesting thing moving forward in the NBA. If you got, you know, if you get someone like, and I'm not sold on DeAndre Ayton, but we can talk about that another time. But if you get a number one pick, who, I just don't know why you'd pick a center number one in 2018 unless he's Joel Embiid. But I agree. you know, if you have like a player like a Simmons and an Embiid on their rookie deals, you kind of you almost have to strike when that iron is hot because if you don't, then you know, can for Boston, for example, is Boston going to be able to keep this team together? I mean, they're in a great spot; they have a lot of options, but it's almost like there's too many doors for Danny Ainge to open. It's like, do I trade this guy? Do I trade Kyrie? Do I trade? You know, they have so many doors, and it's almost like magic hats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it, they almost have to do it now. Because in a couple years, they're going to be in Capel, and like Philly's in that same spot. Insert a promo right here. Hello, this is Chris Joseph, co-host of The Bulls Cast. Some of you might have heard our earlier promos on this podcast and wondered, what in the whole is Balls Cast thing all about? Well, Balls Cast is a comedy podcast about Miami sports, culture, and politics, and sex, and food. You know, all the shit that matters to those of us who call the 305 home. We also throw in parody songs and comedy sketches and invite the occasional cool-ass guests and my co-host Slim and I do all of this while completely baked out of our gourds. So, if you love Miami sports, but you're also into laughing and living your fullest life in this beautiful city we call our home, then please download Ballscast wherever you consume your podcasts. Then, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy. Now, listen to some fart noises. So I look at Boston and like they're I I actually love their position because they can actually probably wait out the they could probably wait out like the teams around them except for the Sixers because they have so many so you could probably move Kyrie or Gordon Hayward for a guy that's on a pretty decent like contract like a disgruntled guy like you don't like the Celtics don't have to be giving out super maxes to anybody because Tatum's gonna be if like anybody is gonna be that guy it'll be Tatum and you're not gonna have to pay him for a while. And if you have to lose Rozier, you can lose Rozier. That's fine. Like, you're not really... And you can get rid of Rozier and get a pick back very easily. So they can probably, like, reshuffle and be, like, a one to three seed for the next couple of years until they really have to, like, pay Tatum. Mm-hmm. And they could... They'll Kyrie, have options. Kyrie and Gordon Hayward are super movable, especially the teams like Miami to a team like New York. Like, you, somebody will take those guys. Easy. Phoenix. Phoenix will take anyone. Phoenix, yeah. Phoenix. Oof. So hopefully, like, t- hopefully they take us on. I had this yeah. conversation <laughs> with a friend of mine who's a Celtic fan, and I go, do you want Kawhi? And he goes, hell no. I go, why? He goes, because I don't want to pay him that much money, and we have a really good team. And I go, but you don't have a top you don't have a top 15 player. I go, maybe you have a top 15 player, but like for sure you don't have a top 12 player. How are you going to win? And he's like, nah, you know, you, you, A, they're in the East. B, you kind of, in the NBA, you have to kind of bank on luck. And to get Kawhi and to like, to gut the team of everything that they've done when it's not, it's still not going to be enough. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I, 
I will say this. If they keep one of Tatum or Brown and they trade for Kawhi, I mean, you know, let's compare it to what I think is the best offer right now is Fultz, Sarich, and a draft. Hold on, but why is that a better offer than Winslow, J. Rich, Bam, and a pick? What is so special about Sarich and Fultz? So I think think that the Sixers, I mean, it's a lottery pick, right? I think that's number 10. Fultz, I think you're betting on it. Like, Fultz has a higher ceiling than any of those Heat guys that you mentioned. That's what it comes down to. Or Jay Rich? Yes. I, 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 that's, there's a, I understand that this was a crazy year, and he may have the yips, and it may be. He's a number that's one pick a for risk. a reason. He was a, it's a, it is. It's a big risk, but he's a consensus number one pick. Consensus number one pick for a reason. Okay, so you, I agree you're taking a risk, but maybe look at it as we get Fultz. We are bad for a year, and then we get another guy to bring in with him. I, I, I do think that's a better offer. Sarich is a, would be great on this first. Sark, would, Sark isn't it, better than either Jay it, Rich or Winslow. But and the ceiling's like not there either. But like my thing is that you're trading probably the best perimeter defender that ever lived. Like what what you what the Spurs have is one of the most generational talents ever. And you're gonna really like your your better offer is a guy that may play another two years in the league because what he had was like what he did was kind of unprecedented. And by the way, I don't think enough has talked about this. Fultz played on a team that was no good. And I know he was a consensus number one pick, but dude played for a team that was no good. And in that sport, you usually get a team to the tournament or you make a team good. Like, I mean, Ben Simpson either. Well, okay, okay, okay. Well, let's just, we, like, we can argue there are questions Spurs there. Heat offers. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, we can argue, we can argue Spurs Heat offers. You know, that's kind of separate from my point right now. Yeah. But let's say you're the Celtics, right? And I think if you trade Jalen, you trade Rozier, uh, and, a pick. and you trade you trade the pick you're getting next year. Okay, let's say the Spurs love that offer because they're getting a known commodity in Rozier, a known commodity in Brown, uh, guys who I think would be great in San Antonio. And you have Kyrie, Kawhi, Hayward, Tatum, Horford. I think that is easily a finals team in the East. Easily a finals team in the East. And actually gives you a really good chance against I don't think it gives you a good chance against Golden State, but I agree with finals in the East. My thing with that deal is how, like, so we're going off of a couple months of Rozier as value? Yes. I mean, but Rohan, and I don't know if, like, maybe I'm being Homer guy. Maybe I'm being Homer guy. But, like, I don't get how that guy is better or more valuable than a guy like. Jay Rich, who's done it for two seasons, or a guy like, and I mean, Justice has had the same, like, the, what, the same, like, the time that yeah. that Rozier has played well, Justice has played just as well. Yeah, not to mention I, that Jay Rich is also locked up for next four years. Yeah. Yes, and Jay Rich is on a good deal. I don't, I do not disagree. I do not disagree. I, I could, I, mean, I would love to gas up all the heat guys. On the heat offer, and I'm like, I don't, I think that's really fucking good. Like, like people yeah, are like, but, no, no, there, there's no chance. And I was like, I don't know. I, again, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not plugged into front offices and, but like, I look at what the other people offer and I'm like, okay, yeah, obviously, you know, Jalen Brown is clearly better than what Miami has and, and that Boston pick, but it like, is it like so much better that, oh no, Miami has no chance that, and I'm like, I'm not here's, sure. Here's, here's one thing I'll say is when you're making a trade like this also, I think it's an, can be an easier sell internally and externally for, if you're trading someone like Kawhi, 
to trade for potential as opposed to known commodities. Now, Justice and Bam can still grow a lot, right? But I think you have a good idea of what Jay Rich is. You have a good idea of what Justice is. I think Jalen Brown, again, has a higher ceiling than all those guys. I really do. I mean, he's already... I agree. He's playing... So you have that, and then you have the, the factor of a pick, you have a factor of Rozier, where you're almost selling it as we can get these guys and grow them in our system as opposed to you get a Jay Rich, a Justice, and a Bam, and it's like, you know what these guys are. They make your team all right, but it almost it almost gets you like the role players you'd need around Kawhi as opposed to guys you want to trade Kawhi for. Because I think when you make a trade like this, you're really trading for the future, but if that makes sense. Why do and we- I'm not saying it's the but smartest Roman- way, but... I think it's usually typically what happens. But like, why do we know? So you're saying we kind of know what Jay Rich is, and you're kind of saying we don't know what Rozier is. I mean, Rozier is also 24 years old. So I mean, if we want to do that, like, I, 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 I mean, Jay Rich should, by all accounts, by all the basketball people I've talked to, should be all team second defense. And it's not just he, guys. I'm talking like the national people that I've talked to said Jay Rich should be. If you're watching, he should. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the sport. He is a very, very good shooter. He's gotten better every single year. So, yeah, I think we kind of have an understanding he's going to be a 3 and D guy who could probably put the ball on the floor and finish, right? But, like, to say that we know we know what Jay Rich is, but we don't know what Rozier is when Rozier has been a literal punchline, not just for Miami, but for the entire league for the past two years. So, well, and I guess that's can, where can my we just, objection to that is. Can we just acknowledge that this entire conversation is moot because – we don't necessarily even know all the specifics of if Kawhi is being offered around the league and if Boston is interested in... I mean, Boston has showed before that they'd want to keep their team together. They got Hayward and Kyrie coming back. Um, you know, the but whole Philly offer thing. that they wait for. Like, this, like, the opportunity, like, what... Everything Possibly, but maybe, maybe they're holding done. out for Anthony. Maybe they're holding out for Anthony Davis. I just think that there's too many variables to necessarily start uh, comparing deals necessarily. But I do agree that like the moxie that comes with saying I traded my franchise player for the f- number one pick last year or something like that is the kind of thing that you want in the headlines more than just you know, frankly, like Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow. Like it just doesn't give you that same sex appeal. Um, and I know that that sounds Spurs, ridiculous. But hold on, we're talking about the Spurs. Well, maybe the Spurs think differently. We're not talking so about the Knicks. Right. Like, if we're no, talking about the true. Knicks, like I'm that's with true. you. But like, that's not an organization. And I mean, like, that's an organization that probably respects what Miami does a lot. And Miami has believed in Jay Rich and Justice, like defiantly. Like, I just think the overarching theme is that we're likely to be outbid for most top players just because of our draft pick situation and the fact that, you know, we are locked into some contracts and things of that nature. And a lot of the guys that we would have to give away are the guys we'd want to keep. And, you know, the pick situation is obviously an issue. So that's why I think almost like the Kawhi conversation almost is a little pie in the sky at this point. And it's more, uh, for me, it's more looking around the league at like, do you want to take a chance on DeMar DeRozan or Chris Middleton or Drummond? You know, I saw him hitting threes all of a sudden. Kemba or Dame or uh, Andrew Wiggins. You know, like the if they can't. I love Beal, man. I really like Bradley Beal. Boogie, Jabari Parker. Like Dude, I think those are the names like. When we're thinking about the tiers of players that the Heat can target, I think that those are the names we should be thinking about rather than the Kawhis at this stage. But when you do that, else, like, my thing is, sorry, Harrison, get, let's give you in a second, but, like, what we talked about <laughs> earlier, like, you need to find value. He's making faces. You need to find value. So, like, 
they're going to have to overpay for one of those other guys. And we know that overpaying for DeMar DeRozan, for Boogie Cousins, for um, for Bradley Beal, for Chris Middleton, like that's not going to win you anything. And like we've, you know, we, we at the end of the day, like we're not out here to be the Hawks or the Raptors. What about Wiggins, though? You don't think he could realize okay, his potential? That's different, but that, that we're going back to what Rohan was saying, this kind of potential versus known commodity. We know what DeRozan, what Bradley Beal, Boogie Cousins is. Like, Wiggins is something, you know, else. So those kinds of deals I would be happier with Miami doing than something like overpaying for Boogie Cousins than, like, overspending for DeMar DeRozan or, like, throwing everything you have to get Bradley Beal. Like, Harrison, go. I think something that like we touched on at the very beginning of the pod, but kind of have glazed over is that, yeah, the Spurs might be offering the Supermax to Kawhi as a Hail Mary to try to bring him back. If he happens to sign it and he's healthy, that he has much more value on that contract. So if the Spurs come out and not, not that they're going to admit that they're ready to tr- uh, trade Kawhi, but if they say, hey, we're open for business. On this one-year deal where the guy has just been unhappy in San Antonio, where, like, no one is ever unhappy. I mean, you had you had the little thing with LaMarcus Aldridge last year, but then he ended up signing a three-year contract extension. Like, no one really leaves the Spurs on bad terms. So I have to say that, that teams are got to be a little nervous. They're not sure about the injury. He's been really distant from the team. He's got – you got one year to prove to Kawhi that that's where he, he wants to re-sign. And all of those things mean that the offers might not be as big as we think they're going to be. So yeah, the Sixers might, I mean, for me, that's a, that's if the, if the Sixers offered that, I mean, it's not the best deal, but if that's what San Antonio wants, I could see them take the Sixers would be ecstatic, even, you know, to get that deal. Or if Boston can dangle a couple of their guys. Yeah, those make sense. But the thing is that in that one season, you either need to like, you need to win or you need to show Kawhi that this is the best chance to win. And all of those things make it very complicated. So if the Spurs say, hey, hey, Kawhi's available, I don't think you're getting the best offers. And if the Heat are willing to throw everything at them, it might be it might be something that they take if Kawhi does not want to go back to the Spurs. I mean, I two things real oh no, go, go ahead, go, go ahead. No, I had nothing good. Go well, two things real quick. One, uh-huh. I, and to Harry to Harry's point about you got to win with Kawhi. I think any East team that would trade for him would make the finals. And this is based, I think, on LeBron probably going West. I have no idea. Any no information. East I just team? That trades for him, the ones we're talking about, okay. I think. You think if Miami you know, trades for him, they're going to the finals? So here's my next question for you guys. We've, we've talked about this Godfather, Justice, Jay Rich, Bam offer. And the, and the 20, a, 2019 pick. So the Heat you do also that trade? Would you do that? Would you too. do that trade if you're the Heat? Yes. Yes. No. I know no, they good. wouldn't. Yeah, you have. Well, let's to. let's all go. Let's all go yes and no, and then we'll get into reasoning. So we got we got one yes from Yanni, one no from Harry. What about Brian and Leif? Yes, absolutely. Let me review this deal. So you're saying it's Bam, J. Rich, Justice, and the pick for Kawhi? Yes. So you basically have emptied the entire treasure chest. You're not. You haven't even emptied the treasure chest. What you've done is, you've <laughs> sent. Yeah, you know, you have emptied the. You've sent away every good piece you have, and you're left with Dion Waiters and Kawhi Leonard, and Kelly Olynyk. No, and, and James Johnson. Like, okay, JJ. Okay. <laughs> well, they're gonna have to send Hassan to make you know the contract what? work. Uh, maybe not. But you know what? Yes, I would do it because um, and and 
quite frankly, it doesn't matter what any of us would do. Riley would absolutely do it because if you get that, if bring you it away and then figure it out from there. Yeah, you get your one transcendent player, and um, a lot of people thought that that was Wade during the Shaq years initially, but like that acquisition of Shaq was getting that transcendent, transformative player. He knew he had Wade coming up, but I don't think anyone necessarily knew that Wade was going to become the third greatest shooting guard of all time. Like that move was made third? with getting Alex Shaq third? and Kawhi. Yeah, yeah come on, man. Third? I mean, yeah, yes, get out of my third. Shirt. You're it's fitting. Behind, He's behind Jordan and Kobe. Fire. Come on, man. And I, Wade Fire. is my favorite player ever. Anyway, yeah, Wade's, be, Wade's better than Kobe. Anyway, yeah, my come point on. is better th- you get the transcendent superstar, you figure out the rest later. You shuffle those contracts around like uh, deck chairs on the Titanic till you get the right mix of players. And eventually you have your picks again and uh, you sell them on the culture, baby. Can't so a, a year ago, a year, if, you, if you asked me, Rohan, if you asked me the same question one year ago, um, I would have told you, yeah, yeah, like, just seeing Bam, like, you know what I mean? Like, I would have done this move. The problem now is that I was expecting the Warriors to break this thing up. Like, I, I was just looking at Steve, uh, Steph Curry's new contract and uh, Clay Thompson coming up and Draymond Green, and they gave Iggy a big deal. Uh, and I thought, okay, this Warriors run is, you know, two to three years, and then they got to move Thompson, who's one of the best two-way players in the NBA. But, like... They've seen how good they are. They understand they're probably one of the greatest teams to ever be put together in sports. They're not going anywhere. So if you're the Heat, why don't you just build on what you have? You got some bad contracts for a few years. It, you can try you can you can have two more years of six seeds, five seeds, and then you can go after guys who are available. Maybe you can maybe you can spring for a big trade. Maybe you have more draft picks at your disposal in two years, and you can do that. If you empty the cupboard like that and you're building around Kawhi, Dion, Kelly, JJ, I mean, listen, that team's not winning anything. Like, yeah, listen, teams, well, you'll be more excited. Kawhi is one of the best players in the league. Um, the, it, I mean, I get, I get the allure of Kawhi. I just don't know if that's really the move. I, I'm, I don't, I don't usually preach patience. I'm not a patient person. I like results now. But from where we are in the landscape of the NBA and the fact that the Warriors. Like, unless Steph Curry suffers a serious ankle injury, they're not losing for a very long time. So I have a question. If they traded for Kawhi and paid him, and then they took all their other contracts and they traded for John Wall, could John Wall and Kawhi Leonard playing two-on-five win more than, more than 44 games like the, the James Johnson-led Miami Heat did this past season? Yeah. They'll get guys. I mean, they'll like. But then, like, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe in Spolstra. Because, like, we've talked a lot on the show on, like, getting veterans on prove-it deals and, like, how Spo's going to make guys, like, get the most out of guys. And, like, it's not that they're going to sign, like, balls off the street. I'm sure that they'll do the work and get. And they've been really good at using the D-League, so I'm sure that they'll be able to get enough to probably get to 50 wins. But if they truly believed in Spolstra, we wouldn't really be in this position because they would have continued to bring in guys on prove-it deals. The fact that they went back and re-signed guys who had career years is a strange kind of deviation from the philosophy they were going with. It seemed like a good idea. Wade left. Let's bring in guys. Some hit, JJ. Some miss, Derek Williams. Hope he's enjoying China. Um, you know, they're... But that's what I'm saying, and that's what you know. Evan Cohen said a few pods ago, like you just had to keep bringing guys on prove it deals. The fact that we, the fact that we signed them to long term deals, means that 
do they like not that they don't trust Spolstra, but do they trust the the process that they well, had, you know, come up with? To Harry's point, the last forty one games of the you know, the forty one and forty one season, the first forty one games of this season, the Heat were fifty two and thirty. So, I mean, there was a little something there. I mean, they, this season, they kind of went off the rails a little bit. They were never a great team, for sure. But there was a little something there. It's so interesting that offseason, I, you know, I'm sure, on, I don't even think he's been that hiding. And I'm sure Riley, Riley regrets it on some level, just because he, I feel like he doesn't get to play as much as he wants to play right now. He wants to be a player and all this stuff that's happening. And obviously, it stopped him. But I was, yeah, I, I never fully understood giving him the deals this long because usually they give him deals with like okay 2019 is going to be a big year we'll prepare for this year i'm just i'm not surprised that they brought them back i'm surprised how long they brought these guys for when there was you know this one year coming up that people have kind of been targeting you you think part of it could have been that uh in the wake of how ugly it was with wade leaving and then the bosch situation that Riley was almost overcompensating to a degree to try to be loyal to his guys and try to show the league. I'm, I'm, I take care of my own players, and you know the the stuff that you've heard about me recently is not true. Do you think that that emotional factor played any uh, part in it? That's interesting. I mean, that would be pure speculation on my part. I, that's it's one of the better theories I've heard, right? I mean, it's one. Of, it's a uh, you know not only that, but just to to have the years they had after LeBron. I think to have some kind of stability was also probably appealing to that. No, I, I think- Leif, that, I just called you Leif. Leif, Leif, <laughs> that, Leif that has to make, that, that has to be right because I'll never understand the Dion contract knowing that, like they knew he wasn't going to make it through the season. They gave him a four-year deal when his, I'm t- I've said this a thousand times, but his ankles tied together with bubble gum and popsicle sticks. Like there's no reason that he should have gotten that deal. I mean, they should have said, listen, you, you were great for 40 games. That's cool. Uh, we could probably use another option down the stretch because everyone's afraid to shoot. You know, here's another one-and-one, or here's a two-year deal. The four-year deal either lines it up where, yeah, Riley's trying to overcompensate, or they're just fi- They're okay. I know, I know it sounds nothing like the Heat, nothing like Riley, but they saw the Warriors. They saw how ridiculous it was going to be. They saw that um, Anthony Davis and uh, Giannis and those big time like guys that are some of the best athletes that have ever played in the NBA will will likely be available. And you're better off kind of just waiting, letting your 2020, 2020, maybe it's not, it's not anything you want to hear as a heat fan of what you're used to since Riley took over in 95. I mean, he always swung, he's always swung for the fences. This is exactly what they've done. I mean, they did that as recently as 2008. They just, yeah, this is like, Remember when all the fans were saying you're wasting Wade's prime years, surrounding him by Q Rich and co- surrounding him by Yo, Sean Marion and Ko? Like Q Rich had his moments. Yo, Q Rich is one of my probably one of my ten favorite Heat players ever. Q Rich was a great. Paid. Here's a couple of things I want to. Let's actually hop back to 2008 for a minute. I want to throw a few Rohan, things at you guys. Right before you do that, I do need to do a promotion that we're doing, and I do want to get into Q Rich talk because I am here for that. Um, today we had a promotion on the Heat Beat account for uh, at Ad Space Wolf. That's an ad company that's working with the Five Reasons Podcast Network and ourselves, and we ran a contest today to give a free ad to one of our listeners who nominated the best Heat Twitter bit slash heat twitter moment right so we got a bunch of nominations 
Um, and the winner was um probably probably obviously because it's been the most recent one and it's been really popular. The Marcus Camby gift. So the Marcus Camby gift was the winner, and um and our listener wanted to nominate a uh, a charity called Muscular Dystrophy. Brian, you spelled it phonetically. Dystrophy. 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 Okay, muscular dystrophy is very difficult for me to read. Muscular dystrophy is a rare disease just found in 200,000 Americans that causes progressive weakness and loss of muscle mass. FSHD is an even rarer inherited form of the disease that attacks the face, back, and upper arm muscles in the body. Each year, 1 in 8,333 adults and children are affected by this disease with symptoms that include abdominal muscle weakness, joint and spinal injury, uh, lower leg, lower hip, facial weakness, muscle pain and inflammation, and shortened lifespan. There is no known cure for this. However, the Muscular Dystrophy Association, MDA, has been helping individuals and their families to combat the muscle disease since the 1950s. With donations made, you can really help out. This disease has touched a lot of people. So please, we're going to put a link in the podcast description. We're going to tweet it out. We're going to really push that uh, for the show because it's it's a really good cause. And it's actually really cool that a listener is promoting this. So Please check that out. We'll include his ad and everything and, and, the, and the link. So that's our contest. A muscular dystrophy, please donate and, and help cure this awful disease. Okay. Just just so people know what the link is, to help the cause, it's mda.org. mda.org. So check that out. And then insert a promo right here. This week on the Five Reasons Podcast, we're joined by the one and only Stu Gatz. And so we're just going to do this rapid fire where you're, I'm okay. going to name a name and you're just going to go, Elon Musk. I've been on this for about a year now, and it's funny to see that everyone else is starting to catch up, okay? Because Elon Musk, it is he's a quack. Kevin Durant. Uh, doesn't have any championships, period. End of discussion. I don't care how many he wins with Golden State. He will never have a championship in my personal record book. All right, uh, next one for you. Art Bryles. Uh, you can go to hell. Okay. Sister Jean. What bothers me about Sister Jean is the Stugats are strong in Sister Jean. That's what... What I have learned, uh, what I have learned over time is sometimes I look in the mirror and I don't like what's staring back at me. Check out this podcast and our many others. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play. It's the Five Reasons Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Moving on to Q Rich Talk. Well, I have have a couple things I want to throw out there. Number one, that Heat Celtics series in 2010 I think they maybe win a one or two more games if Q Rich doesn't trash talk KG in the fourth quarter of game one. The Heat were right there with Boston. Q Rich goes at KG. Celtics end up winning that game. That was a tough one. Then Paul Pierce hits the game winner over Durant. I was right. there, was, dude. I was so was mad. And Wade was out for that last possession because he rolled his like his foot on Darrell Wright or something. But but Wade's game four in that series was my favorite game. That's He's my favorite playoff game life. ever. Like that's my favorite Wade playoff game ever. He was getting triple teamed and just hitting launching threes from the top of the key didn't matter. Here's my question, and I know we got LeBron, and I know that I'm going to get laughed off for asking this. Please say what I think you're going to say. I think there's something to be said about how good Wade was those two years and the teams they put around him. And let me just say this. I don't know to the extent that the Heat ever thought Wade would have the knee issues that he did later in his career. They had to have had some inkling just because of what happened. That 07, 08 year, uh, you know, he missed so much of it. You know, he came back that summer amazing shape, had the two incredible years. But he was obviously very, 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 very good the first regular season with the big three. And then from there, he was still obviously a great player, but he never recaptured those two years. And sometimes I wonder what would have happened had they tried to 
compete with LeBron during that stretch as opposed to what happened and what you guys think about that. Because part of me thinks LeBron in part turned into Super Saiyan. I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened. He's obviously a great player. In part was helped by Spo, you know, his evolution. Uh, but, you know, if you recall in 2009, and I'm sure Leif remembers this really well, they were very close to signing Lamar Odom to the full, full mid-level exception, which probably would have ruined, you know, whatever plans they had in 2010. So, I'm just sometimes I do wonder, mostly as just a huge Dwayne Wade fan, oh man, you know, I, I wish they had put championship teams around him in those two years because it could have been really interesting what happened. Well, Rohan, I don't know if you remember that year, the year that they played, the year that that Celtics series happened, Miami won the last game of the season. I believe it was against New yes. Jersey when Jacobo Diawara banked in a three in overtime which forced them to play the Celtics and not Atlanta, which I believe they had swept Atlanta that year in the regular season. Had, so ironically, Atlanta had beaten them the year before. I in seven yeah. games. Um, yeah. So I, something that – and I remember being really upset, and I always look back to that, and it said had Diawara not hit that three and Miami plays Atlanta, I, I really feel confident to this day that they would have – They would. I mean, I, I now we know that Atlanta team to be the frauds that they were. Dwayne Wade was – on a roll that year, and I don't have a doubt that they would have beaten them. And then the next round would have been against an Orlando Magic team that Miami, I think, had a three to one advantage in the regular season. And in particular, what Miami was doing a lot to Orlando was putting Dwight, despite Dwight being an elite pick and roll defender, they were really putting a lot of pressure with Dwayne as the ball handler in the pick and roll going at Dwight. And Dwight was out in a lot of those games because he was getting foul trouble because Dwayne was... That Magic team was good, though. I don't that think Magic they team was good, but I do think Miami had a good matchup against them. And Miami played him. Yeah. I think Orlando won one game against Miami, which was at home in overtime. Um, Still, I don't... Miami didn't want any smoke with that Orlando team. I'm sorry. I, they didn't want that, I think that was... I know, but that was not a bad matchup for them. Another interesting angle of those Wade years between, uh, you know, the time when he was basically in his prime, but we were kind of setting up for the big three summer 2010 is that they tried to make deals. I mean, you alluded to the Lamar Odom thing, and that was one of like the few players that they were willing to dip into the cap space for, because I think that was maybe the year directly prior to 2010. But prior to that. Prior to that, they looked at Amare Stoudemire. They looked at Carlos Boozer. Uh, if I remember correctly, they may have looked at uh, Turkaloo when he when Ew. he was uh, available. Um, maybe even Richard Lewis. I mean, I'm trying to jog my memory here. So it's not like they didn't explore putting guys around Wade. And I, the main one that comes to mind is Amari Stoudemire, because I know the trade deadline directly before that summer of 2010, they tried to get Amari, and he was also being coveted by the Cavs at the same time. And I often think about in those years, had they made one of those signings that didn't compromise or one of those trades that didn't compromise the signings of 2010 because all those guys were free agents lining up at the same time. Like, how much better would those teams have been if you had Amare for a year next to that Wade or even Carlos Boozer next to that Wade, you know, when Boozer was a 2010 guy. So the what ifs. Well, Amare being the elite pick and roll player that he was, I mean, Dwayne was doing all his damage in the pick and roll with his partner being Jermaine O'Neal, not Amari Stoudemire. So imagine. <laughs> Can I just say real quick, Jermaine had maybe one of the worst playoff series of all he time. He was good that year. Was he was good that year. He, he, he could throw him in the post. He'd get you a bucket. You know, he was a little decent turnaround? little pick and roll guy. Yeah. That turnaround the very, was money The line drive year. turnaround. The line drive turnaround. Yeah. 
No, he man, was he was good. an abomination. You know, he got hurt. I think it's not an abomination. <laughs> yes, he was. Come on. <laughs> he got just in the last series. He shot what eighteen yeah. percent or eighty percent. He got hurt like sometime in between, like I think March and the end of the year, like somewhere in between there. Because I know Dwayne missed like ten games with the hamstring injury. Which, by the way, though that team probably wins like forty eight games if Dwayne doesn't ruin his hamstring and miss like a month. Like that happened. Like Dwayne missed a month, and they were like relying on Michael Beasley at the end of games. Michael Beasley before, and J.O. Before that season started, I saw Jermaine O'Neal in the airport in Vegas, and uh, went up to him and said, "What's up?" And he and like both, you know, I told him I was a Heat fan, and he said, "We're gonna be right this year. We're gonna be right this year." Like he basically just repeated that over and over again and walked away. And by that last playoff series, we wasn't all right, man. Damn yo, <laughs> I thought Jamario Moon was gonna be a steal, man. I no, was like, me oh. too. I like him. I love how Jermaine O'Neal actually... had to ask permission to wear a headband. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Yeah. That was a no. Like yeah. they didn't allow them forever. LeBron was like when the floodgates really opened there. Yeah. No doubt. Nathan, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry, I cut you off with my headband tidbit. Oh, I'm one of those idiots that also thought Marcus Banks was going to be a really good player when the Heat yeah. got. I thought he yeah. was going to fit next to Wade. They were going to be running and gunning. That didn't work out. He you was know, so I, I, Marcus Banks played like four minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. he was like I was like, he's going to be good. And then I never saw him play a game for the Miami Heat. I, one of my most hated Heat players is Daquan Cook. To this day, I no, never, I liked, I never liked him. He became good. He was he would have been great if he came up today. He could he could play a little defense too. I wish I wish I had kept J, uh, Q Rich like for the. I wish they kept Jason Capono. Oh, Capono. No, nah, dude, Q Ritz, dude, huge deal. Q Ritz oh, was about Lowe, that yeah, life. Yes. Imagine Mark Q Ritz in the big three years. Like, imagine Q Ritz scrapping, going to war with those Yo, guys. That guy. Do you guys cool. remember? Do you guys remember Spo drawing up a game-winning shot for Capono and Indy once? They were like down two, and he drew up a Capono three for the win. Yes, that was wild. That was like, I was like, oh, it's like that, huh? Do you, do you guys remember had money for a year? He was a he white was, wing. He was like fifty percent from three for an entire season. He was crazy. He was ahead. You of guys the time. just you guys just named all our three point champions right there. James Jones, Hall of Fame. Glenn Rice, Rice won it too. James, it was amazing. We we'd go to the All Star break, we'd win, and then yeah. those guys would never hit a three again. It was it was masterful how that happened. Yeah, I, was, can't believe I wish it. I wish they'd bring back the shooting stars competition just me so we too. could get a boss. Boss owned. Well, just, let me let me take you back. Let me take you back to being a really old Heat fan. There was a day as a Heat fan where at All-Star Weekend, Glenn Rice won the three-point shootout. Harold Miner won the dunk contest. And to date, that was the most successful achievements in franchise history. And like literally, we were watching that on All-Star Weekend and we were like cheering as if we made it. That's awesome. And, and, now, and now we're complaining about tanking. Take that for data. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.